Welcome to the Medical Alley Association podcast series from challenge to champion. In this series, we will be highlighting Medical Alley leaders who used personal challenges as fuel for action, ultimately leading to the creation of innovative new companies, care solutions, and new perspectives in their careers to help others experiencing similar struggles. Our guest today is founder of Fruitful Fertility, Elise Ash. Elise, thank you for joining us to tell your story. Why don't you start by introducing yourself? My name is Elise Ash. I'm the founder and CEO of Fruitful Fertility. We are a fertility mentorship program, so we connect people who are struggling emotionally as they deal with infertility, miscarriage, getting ready to do IVF, and we connect them with a fertility mentor, so someone who has been there before and is now on the other side. We talk about it kind of like the Alcoholics Anonymous like sponsorship program meets Bumble, but for infertility. I love that. What a fantastic description. What led you to start Fruitful Fertility? I feel like a lot of founders, um, it comes from a really personal place and a problem that I saw, you know, I was I was going through my own infertility journey. So a few years ago, my husband Brad and I decided that we wanted to have kids. It was always something that we had conceptually agreed on, but had never really agreed on the logistics or timing. And finally, you know, early 30s, we were like, we're ready. We have our home. We have our finances in order. Um calendar seems great so let's get going and we were both really surprised at how challenging that experience was not just for us um and you know from a medical perspective but also from a social perspective and we both found it really hard to get the emotional support we needed from our friends and family which was a surprise because they're awesome and they'd always been like so supportive and so understanding and really understood how to support us. But when it came to the infertility stuff, they just didn't know what to say. They didn't really get it. It felt like they were constantly saying the wrong thing or making us feel worse. And I kind of realized that the only people who really understand infertility and that it's the fourth most traumatic life event a woman can experience are other people who've been through infertility. And so for me, I was looking for all of these resources and I was trying to join support groups and yoga groups and uh, online communities. And while those were helpful to an extent, I'm such a competitive person by nature that when you get a bunch of people trying to get pregnant together, a lot of them do become pregnant. And so I was really struggling with maintaining my friendships beyond like the infertility phase. And so for me, what I really valued the most was one-on-one peer support with one person who understood what I was going through, who could ask me the right questions, who knew the acronyms, who understood my diagnosis, and could really help emotionally support me in a meaningful way that wasn't in a Facebook group, that wasn't a friend just saying, it's going to be okay, just adopt. Why don't you relax? You'll get pregnant on your trip to Mexico. Like I really needed somebody who understood it. So I had the idea for this program. I told my husband, who is a software developer and app developer, and I was like, God, somebody should make this. And he was like, we should make it. (laughs) So we kind of just started figuring it out. My background is as a advertising copywriter. I've worked at ad agencies for all different types of brands for about 12 years. And we just started getting to work and started making it. And we're really excited by the amount of appreciation we were getting from the community. People seem to love it. It's a two-sided platform. So people sign up to either become a mentee and get emotional support, or they sign up to give back to the community. So It's really a beautiful thing where you have people volunteering their time to help coach and emotionally support people when they're at their lowest low. 
And then what led you to eventually take the leap and make Fruitful Fertility your full-time job? Well, when we launched in April 2017, we were still in the middle of our fertility journey. We were kind of taking a break between IVF cycles. So this was a good kind of side hustle or like side project for a while where it was very cathartic too. My husband and I were really like working through our own stuff like while we were developing this and trying to make this product that we would have wanted, that we did want. And so that was really um, incredibly fulfilling and it felt really good to be working on something that we could work on together that felt really positive and hopeful that was helping other people while we were each still, you know, maintaining our day jobs. And then IVF worked for us and I got pregnant. And so then all of a sudden I went from having, you know, a full-time job and this kind of like fun startup thing on the side to all of a sudden Fruitful was getting uh, more users. We were getting more popular. That was taking a lot more time. I still had my full-time role and then I had a newborn. (laughs) And then I was like, wow, I'm really doing a bad job at all three of these things. And something kind of had to go. And I was really lucky to work for an employer who allowed me to go part-time for a little while. So I did kind of slow roll out of um, my full-time gig into Fruitful. So I feel like I had a good amount of time to kind of transition and save and figure out what we were going to do financially, how much we wanted to invest personally, what kind of investment we're going to need from outside sources and kind of get our stuff together before just quitting. Like it was important to me to have real traction and a real business plan and a real strategy before just quitting. So I was trying to find the sweet spot between um, having enough information and data where I felt like, okay, this is like worth the risk um, versus like just feeling impetuous and like I need to, di- to, you know, give my whole career to this. I think the other thing to consider is that jobs these days, you can constantly change your mind and reshape your role and becoming a founder in your own company is something that you can always spin in the future to work for any other kind of company. The, the skills you learn as a CEO, the way you have to read QuickBooks and look at your PL, the way that you have to figure out social media marketing. I mean, when you're like a one person show doing it all, it makes you an incredible asset to any type of company. So I think being able to reframe it as like, okay, this is a risk, but also this is a short term period in my life. This isn't forever. And if I want to go back to an old type of job or find a new type of job or do this for a couple months, do something else on the side, get a part time job to supplement, like I think there are a lot of cool options right now. So that's something to consider too. You mentioned earlier that when you would find support, it would be difficult to maintain those relationships if one party conceived and you eventually conceived. How do you balance being a part of this infertility community and organization while also being someone who was able to have a child? I think that's something that a lot of people who work in the fertility space deal with. And I think it really comes down to just being sensitive about how and when you share anything personal. Like sometimes when you're going through infertility, you want to hear the success stories. You want to hear that a procedure worked or that somebody who had been told like, oh, there's no chance there was a chance. So sometimes those are hopeful stories, but I do think there's a difference. And I do think as the founder, I try not to make everything about me and my story. So sometimes it comes up that I have a toddler. Sometimes it comes up that she was the result of, you know, two rounds of IVF and her first frozen embryo transfer. But usually I just kind of quickly mention it and then move on and make it more about the other person. So I never want to hide anything about my personal story or what we went through or 
make it seem like we went through more than we did. But also, I don't think I don't think it serves the community to, you know, withhold some of that, too. So I just try to be as transparent as, about my life as possible. Absolutely. And so you went through fertility treatments pre-COVID-19. What is the state of fertility treatments during this pandemic? So back when we were all on lockdown in March, April, May, ASRM, which is the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, they're the ones who kind of make all of the parameters for all of the fertility clinics, they shut down. They told, well, they told clinics to shut down all of their non-essential functions. And so a lot of people who had been waiting for months and months or sometimes years and years to finally be able to go through IUI or IVF or whatever assisted reproductive technology they were looking at, everything was put on pause and stopped. So it's incredibly challenging to tell someone who's been waiting a year, two years, five years, eight years, hey, you're going to have to wait a little bit more, especially when you're looking at people who have a medical diagnosis and a lot of women who are dealing with a diagnosis like low ovarian reserve where every month counts. And a month that you have to push back your IVF cycle might be another month of fewer eggs that you might get during an IVF cycle. Um, It really does matter. Timing is super important. So that was a really, really rough time for the infertility community, March through May, June. Once clinics started opening again, things felt a little bit better. I think clinics are still seeing a limited number of patients. They're doing temperature checks. They're making sure people are healthy. Um, They've had to cancel cycles in the middle, which can be not just disappointing, but financially crippling. If you've bought thousands of dollars worth of IVF medications and you've done half of them and then your cycle gets canceled, like you don't get any of that back. So I think it's become a huge stressor on the community. People who are losing their coping techniques for the emotional side of it. They're not able to meet up with their friends as much. They're maybe not able to go to that yoga class that they loved and found a lot of peace going to. People are really having to get creative and being able to sit in that discomfort and then not knowing, which people who have struggled with infertility are used to that. Like we're used to not knowing how things are going to shake out. We're used to feeling out of control. So in that sense, I feel like sometimes we're a little bit better prepared than other people, but it's definitely um, overwhelming and scary. So today it depends on clinic to clinic. It depends on state to state. So everything is pretty much run however that clinic sees fit. Um, but mostly treatments are back to normal. The pandemic has also made a lot of appointments move to telehealth or a virtual setting. Is infertility included in that? Yeah, so you are able to do some meetings and consultations via telehealth, but a lot of the more sophisticated treatments that people can get do require constant monitoring, which requires ultrasound machines and a more hands-on approach. So There's a lot of stuff that you can't do at home. You can't like take your own blood at home and run your blood test to check your hormone levels. You can't have an ultrasound at your house to check your follicle growth. So there are definitely things that require being in person. So I think for people who really want to plan or are kind of at like the earlier end of their diagnostics, for them, they can easily chat with a provider via telehealth. But I think if you're looking to get more into the hands-on technology stuff of IUI or IVF, like you kind of need to go in. You mentioned infertility can be isolating in and of itself. And now we have COVID-19 compounding that. Is fruitful fertility able to help with this issue? 
I think the benefit of Fruitful is that we've already built like a digital community and a way to connect that doesn't require being in person. And, you know, that was just something that my husband, Brad, and I built because we wanted to make sure that people in remote areas who didn't have access to acupuncture or support groups and couldn't go anywhere physically had that emotional connection. So that was why we built Fruitful to be digital first and to be something that didn't require you to be anywhere physically. Um, so that was sort of just us reading the room of what our users wanted and what we thought the community could benefit from. Um, I do think it's been cool to see how many communities and people in the infertility world are connecting now via Instagram Live. There are a lot of like Zoom support groups popping up. Um, we're definitely kind of figuring it out and hacking our way through it. It's still tricky just because it is such a deeply personal thing and to share with other people, other strangers over the internet, you know, all about the inner workings of your uterus or about like the way you and your husband have sex. Like it's still kind of awkward. I think for people to talk about if they don't know this person and having to like look them in the eye on a zoom call, is like kind of overly personal, but I think people are starting to figure out what works for them and whether that's a combination of fertility podcasts or, uh, there's a very, very strong Instagram community for infertility. So if you use the hashtag TTC, which stands for trying to conceive, that's like a infertility acronym, you'll be shocked at how many people have their own like private Instagram accounts where they really track and monitor and share all of their medical information, everything that's going on with them from the fight they're having with their partner to the bummer results they got after a treatment to a review of a doctor, like people are just so transparent with what they're going through, which is cool, but it also shows to me that people are desperate for connection. And so for us, if we can allow that in a private one-to-one -one peer support platform, like that's a really cool tool. So I don't think Fruitful like solves everything. I think it's a cool tool in your tool belt in addition to online communities, working with a therapist if that's what you need, if you're struggling with depression or anxiety um, or a heightened sense of grief or loss or hopelessness, like that's absolutely something you should look at. But Fruitful is a great tool also. Speaking of support, why is Medical Alley the best and most supportive place for a company like Fruitful Fertility? I think Medical Alley is a great partner for Fruitful and companies like Fruitful because it gives you access to decision makers across the board here in Minnesota that you would normally kind of need to stalk via LinkedIn, you might not have like a warm intro to them. And so I think it really gives you eyeballs of people in the community to help inform your product, to help give you suggestions. If there are people you want to talk to about a pilot, it's just a really great community for people, especially when you're a small company. You know, it's me, my husband, we have two part-time employees. Um, and so for us, every single podcast interview like this, every type of support or mention we can get really matters. And we see that reflected in our analytics. We see that reflected in our signups. So I think if you're somebody who's really, especially in the beginning stages and trying to figure out, you know, is this a valid idea? Is this worth quitting my job over? Is this something that I feel like I can grow and scale myself? What kinds of people do I need input from? What kind of relationships could I benefit from? Like, it's absolutely a great move to try to connect with the people at Medical Alley. What advice would you give for those who are struggling with infertility or are interested in fruitful fertility? I think the best thing you can do if you're either concerned about your fertility or even if you've been trying a couple months and you're like, mm, something doesn't feel right. Like, I would encourage you to go in and get checked sooner rather than later. 
with infertility, it's very time sensitive. And so the difference between waiting six months or not to, for test results could make a big difference. So while the medical community says, wait a year of trying if you're under 35, wait six months if you're over 35 before you go in and get you know some initial testing or diagnostics done, like you know your body. And I think women are constantly taught like to question their bodies, to question what's going on. Um, I received a, a diagnosis of endometriosis, which I never knew I had, but then in hindsight it was like, oh wow, that's why I've been on the floor of the bathroom. I just thought that was normal because I thought being a woman and having a period meant I was going to be in intense pain all the time. So I think a lot of it is being able to acknowledge and know your body and know like something doesn't feel right. My cycles are really long, like doing the biology 101, the sex ed 101, understanding your cycle. How long is it? Are we having sex at the right time? Like, am I ovulating? Like being able to understand those questions earlier. So you're saving time and not later being like, shoot, if we'd have gone in a year ago, maybe things would be different. And where can people find you? So if you want to learn more about Fruitful and either sign up to receive help or to become a mentor and volunteer your time to give back, you can visit fruitfulfertility.org. You can find us on Instagram at fruitful underscore fertility, Facebook, Twitter, all those places. Thank you again for joining us for the Medical Alley Association podcast series from challenge to champion. To make sure you don't miss a single episode of the Medical Alley Association podcast, be sure to visit us at medicalalley.org, subscribe to our newsletter, and follow us on all of our social media channels.